Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wrestling Podcast. That's wrestling about W-R-S-T-L-I-N-G. It's all of the graps, but without the E. But of course, you know by now that me and G, we're not anti-E. No, we're simply pro wrestling. My name is Liam. This guy is Gareth. Hey. And folks, we've finally done it. After all this stalling, this uh, procrastinating, we're finally getting involved with some Dragon Gate. and really looking forward to that indeed. And yes. to whet the appetite, we are speaking to the English commentator from the Dragon Gate Network, the wonderful Jay. Gareth, this is a fun conversation, right? Oh, it was so nice. That, you know, this, I'm so glad the stars are finally aligned. We got to speak to Jay. We're pumped to watch the next big Dragon Gate show. So let's throw it over to the interview and let's uh, hear from Jay. Okay, folks, we are back. And as promised, we have got Jay from the Dragon Gate Network with us today to talk all things Dragon Gate. Really excited to finally have this conversation. Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we uh, finally have a chance to sit down and do this. Yeah, 100%. This has been a long time coming, so I'm really pleased. And thanks to everybody as well who's been nudging us uh, to start covering Dragon Gate too. I know it's going to be something that we really enjoy, so it's good to finally get the ball rolling. Absolutely. Such passionate fans. Oh, yeah. Big time, big time. Yeah, we've got some of the... Heart, are even in Japan, not just you know, it's Western and Japanese. Both were known for having some of the the, the most dedicated hardcore fan base out there. Um, we always say, you know, Dragon Gate is like family, and that doesn't not just you know behind the scenes. That includes you know everybody that comes to the shows or watches them on the network and all of that. Oh, that's really nice. It definitely comes through. Yeah, for sure. So as I said um, before, we came on air, Jay. Like we're essentially Dragon Gate novices and approaching this almost completely afresh. So just assuming that we're complete dummies, could you give us a bit of a background to the company more generally, please? Okay. Dragon Gate uh, actually started uh, back in 1999. It has its roots from the Ultimo Dragon gym. Ultimo Dragon, obviously a legend. I don't think I need to introduce him. My absolute favorite. He, um, you know, building kind of building off his own experiences from when he was breaking into wrestling and how, you know, in Japan, he was told he's, he wasn't big enough, you know, to make it as a headliner. And he ended up having, you know, going to Mexico. And that was the thing that changed his career. He wanted to create a, a school for people, you know, for wrestlers, you know, maybe on that are on the smaller side that wanted to become wrestlers, but didn't have an avenue, you know, groups like New Japan had the height restrictions and the weight restrictions and all, you know, all Japan wasn't recruiting, you know, they were recruiting, not taking applications and things like that. So for people like, you know, let's say Dragon Kid, who's, you know, the best example, because he's Ultimo Dragon's disciple and, Mm -hmm. you know, he was too small to to wrestle anywhere you know fmw made him a referee so what he did you know he refereed death matches so he could save up the tuition save up the tuition to go and train in mexico to become a wrestler and that's kind of been the base of the torimon toriumon that was what the company was called before it was called dragon gate and now the dragon gate style is kind of that you know that ultimo dragon japanese base with heavy lucha libre influence um big influence on speed it's uh junior heavyweight promotion i think that maybe in the early days of the promotion it was a little more of a uh how can i say this 
difference from the norm, but I think over the last decade or so, the house styles of a lot of different promotions have become more Dragon Gate influenced. Mm. So I think that the easiest examples here would be, you know, guys like the Young Bucks or guys, you know, like Pac, all these different guys in AEW that have come, they came from Dragon Gate. You know, that's where they got their first breaks mm. and they did a lot of training with, you know, guys like Masato Yoshino and Naruki Doi. Um, so it's if you enjoy that style, you know, like the out of control AEW tag matches, or <laughs> um, you know, dra- I think Dragon Gate is something that might interest you as a se- interest mm-hmm. as a secondary promotion. Um, I mean, we are one of the differences between us and a lot of the other different promotions in Japan is we're we're based out of Kobe, Japan, which is a town close to Osaka in more uh, western area. So we're not based in Tokyo. So um, that means our base is a little stronger in Kansai. That, you know, that's the western area. Tokyo is in the, the Kanto area. Mm-hmm. So whereas opposed to you see all these other promotions are, you know, they're in Corican Hall multiple times a month and the other big matches are generally based here in the capital. We're based more out of the Kansai area. And we're the only major promotion that is currently based in that in that area, which makes us unique. Another oh, thing that is also another thing that's unique about us is we're the only company in Japan really that's left do that does full you know, weekly house show tours all around the country. Most of these other promotions will be based in, you know, like let's use, uh, obviously when I, when I say most of these things, I'm kind of disregarding New Japan on that because pro, you know, pro wrestling is New Japan here and everything else is a niche in, in Japan, whether it be, you know, whether it be, you know, Noah for the old heavyweight style, or all Japan for the pure heavyweight style, or you're watching, you know, DDT for what they do. You know, it's all mm. appealing to different to different niches niches here. And Dragon Gate of the the major smaller promotions, we're the only one that still does that brings the promotions to the that brings wrestling to the local local audiences all around Japan. You know, we're not a you know group. You know, like for example. If you look at New Japan's schedule, you know, almost all of their shows are, you know, TV shows. They're all live on New Japan World. Everything is kind of major, you know, like it's road to something, it's building to something. Whereas you look Mm -hmm. at our schedule, you know, you'll look at our schedule for October where we've got, you know, 15 shows scheduled. And then you look at the Dragon Gate Network, we've only got, you know, five or six live shows. That's because we're still primarily a a house show driven business. And it's Mm -hmm. about, you know, bringing wrestling into these towns that don't get wrestling all that often so a completely different approach to you know the to the new japan style very still grassroots i mean we're very much a mom and pop organization (laughs) we don't have you know new japan and stardom have bushi road and the other groups have cyber fight um you know we're still wrestler owned um you know the wrestlers are doing the merch booth when the show's over they're the ones tearing down the rings Mm -hmm. they're the one backstage counting the ticket you know that's counting the ticket money by hand you know whether and that's like you know kz was challenging for the open the dream gate championship and then the next night after the show he was the one counting the money in the back it's you know regardless (laughs) you know regardless of rank everybody chips in to keep the operation going that's really nice actually isn't it and i suppose that probably accounts for some of that passion you were talking about yeah. earlier from the fan base 
Exactly. And, you know, we've got a lot of that turns over to, you know, you can come to a show, you can go to the merch table and probably see your favorite wrestler mm. and, you know, buy the shirt directly from them. Obviously with COVID now, this isn't a thing, but, you know, in ideal circumstances, that's something that was a big part of the Dragon Gate experience. Yeah. You know, I think um, from Liam and I's perspective, a big part of what made the British indie scene in recent years so exciting, you know, when we would go to lots of shows was the fact that, yeah, you would bump right up against the wrestlers. You'd buy the t-shirts from them. You know, it felt like a bit of a family. Yes, exactly. And that's, you know, that's so key. You know, yeah, it's great to go to the bigger major promotions with all the glitz and the production and everything is slick and running, you know, mm. as a well-oiled machine, but sometimes, you know, and this was something that, you know, like the, the women's groups were big with this too in that you know you go and you watch the show and then afterwards you meet up you line up by the merchandise and that's you know dragon gate does the same even now you know we've got like at intermission now that the vaccination rates are up we can get back to you know if you're a fan club member you can take a picture with the designated wrestler at intermission and there's uh, there's the you know different autograph signings so you know you can look at you, you can look at the card and you can think okay well these guys are probably going to win in the match before intermission so that means they're going to be doing the autograph signing oh i got to go to the show you you get a lot of things like that it's it's really kind of even despite not seeing a great deal of um you know whole dragon gate shows it's always felt from the matches i have seen it's just always felt like it's been really on the cutting edge of of wrestling you know like you say it's it's influenced so much of you know you know it was on that bleeding edge of wrestling and everybody else kind of followed that style it's a little bit like ecw in the 90s how everyone kind of ended up following their lead and taking on their elements of their style. Uh, Dragon Gate has been that at that forefront and people have aped Dragon Gate to an extent. Yeah, that's actually, it's the name of one of our TV shows, Cutting Edge Wrestling Dragon Gate. Ah. (laughs) Um, Complete accident there, but I'm I'm obviously onto something. Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing about Dragon Gate that, you know, I'm not a big console wars person of that. I'm going to mm. say, you know, Dragon Gate, you know, if you don't like what's going on in New Japan, you should watch Dragon Gate. Or if you think this match is good, you should come here and watch this. Because I think if you approach people from that direction, it tends to make them standoffish and put off it, you know, like when they're, okay, well, all right, well, I'll check this match out, but there's no way this is better than that match I liked. And it, it brings them in with a chip on their shoulder sure. already. So I don't necessarily like approaching things from that direction but what i can say is that um the layer of investment you know whatever level of investment you're willing to give to dragon gate i think that we've got something that's going to reward you at that Mm -hmm. level if you're just someone that wants to helicopter in and watch you know the pimped matches then you know you can tune in watch them and enjoy them. If you're someone that wants to tune in for the big shows and kind of loosely follow the storylines, you know, we've, we're in Cork and Hall once a month. That's where most of our stories happen. It's very easy to follow. Yeah. You know, you can drop in, watch that show. I mean, that's, you know, my job as the English commentator is to be the one that makes it easy for everyone to follow. Mm. And, you know, it's also in literally the Dragon Gate business model. One of the things is, you know, in terms of the product we present, it's, 
making sure that it's easy to understand for everybody. And that sure. goes back to what, what I was talking about, bringing the, you know, bringing the wrestling to the local areas and making sure you can appeal to wide variety of fans is it has to be easy to understand. They can come to the show and, you know, every, all of our wrestlers are in, everyone's in different stables. It's all color coded. It's very easy to look and see, okay, these guys team with each other and they're feuding with these guys. Okay. These guys are the bad guys. These guys are the good guys. What you were saying um, about it being your job to kind of guide the viewer, essentially. So how often, from an international point of view, do you have English commentary on the Dragon Gate Network? Okay. Um, so like I was saying, we're in Corican Hall usually once a month, sometimes twice a month. We have English. So we have English commentary for all those shows. I think it works out to those are 14 of those shows per year. And then we've got our five big shows every year. Uh, we've got uh, Dead or Alive in may from nagoya we've got kobe pro wrestling festival which is our like our version of wrestlemania wrestle kingdom that yes. is in july uh dangerous gate from tokyo in september uh the gate of destiny from osaka which is coming up uh in two weeks and then the final gate at the end of the year so it works out we've got about 25 english shows per year we do essentially coming into this year what we said we wanted to do was one if there was an open the dream gate championship match which is our main championship if there's a dream gate championship match we want to do english for it mm. and otherwise if we're doing if the network is has live japanese commentary we wanted to have parody with that yeah. so we wanted to you know if you're setting up production for, you know if you're setting up their table set up our table too sure awesome which, no, that makes sense so it's worked out to about 25 shows nice. this year. Uh, not all of them live. Uh, I think 20 of them live, maybe five or six of them have been taped and then uploaded later on. Um, commentary is myself and uh, Ho Ho Loon from Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Who you may remember from the Cruiserweight Classic or nice. NXT. Um, so he comes in and sits up there with me and we have a good time. Nice. It's just been um, so satisfying for, i think liam would agree the last sort of 18 months you know two years where we've really gotten much more into watching japanese wrestlings of all sort of stripes how sort of satisfying the long-term storytelling is and like really you know how you're saying before about you know you can dip in you can watch the pimp matches or you can really follow along and just really following along with stuff has just been so 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 satisfying and then you know having english commentary is really the the kind of cherry on top just for uh, you know accessibility for, obviously for english speaking fans and i think it is any a much easier sell to you know for people you know if you're already a fan of dragon gate to go hey you know you should watch this killer show that's coming up it's going to have english commentary yeah you know we still have a lot of the and you know like the more hardcore fans are still japanese only mm. it's kind of, like those are the ones the, the, the hard Japanese or the hardcore Dragon Gate fans tend to be the ones we have the hardest time getting to watch the English shows <laughs> sometimes and like I totally understand because I myself like if I'm watching anything else I tend to watch it in Japanese I mean but also I mean but you know I, I I live here and I work live and work in Japanese essentially so it's not sure. really like a difference for me but um in terms of turning on the new audience you know we've um about three, about three years ago, there was, uh, you know, we had kind of a split. With some, some of our bigger, some of the more um, higher ranked wrestlers left the company, and went somewhere else, and uh, we had 
kind of went through a, a, like a kind of a dark period, mm. I guess, in the company where th- things were down. But um, there's a period where PAC came back and uh, the um, some of our younger wrestlers started stepping up and making the cards rusher more exciting. At that mm-hmm. point, we picked up a lot of, you know, new fans that came in and jumped on at that point. And uh, th- those are the ones I hear a lot about the English commentary from, you know, and that we're so glad that this is here and et cetera and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So it's been uh, pretty rewarding on that side. That's great yeah. to hear. Yeah, it's, it's certainly helpful from our perspective, you know, as relative newcomers, just to get that initial context, you know, for what you're watching. Yeah. You know, it's I, Dragon Gate tends to have this, uh, I don't know, I guess maybe stereo, I don't know if it's a stereotype or what in that, it's got like, it's like a, a deep lore company mm-hmm. since, you know, essentially everybody in Dragon Gate started out together. There was only like Masaki Mochizuki, who is still on the company, 51 years old. And you probably have seen him all over pro wrestling Noah shows yep. recently you know, over the last two years or so. He was actually the only guy that was, well, him and him and maybe a few others that were wrestlers before Torimon started. Everybody else went to the Ultimo Dragon gym, came up and, you know, day one on the promotion, everybody were, everybody was a student of the Ultimo Dragon gym. So, you know, if you've been watching Torimon since the beginning, you've watched these guys go from 19 year old kids to 40 year old main eventers. And, you know, guys, you know, guys have retired, they've changed their name, they've gone through all this, Mm. but you've seen the friendships, you've seen the betrayals, you've seen them, you know, this guy won a championship with this guy. They won the tag championships before. Now they're fighting for the, the dream gate against each other you know there is a deep lore to it if you've been around that long but at the same time you don't need to know all of it you know to get into it i think that tends to put a intimidate people sometimes Mm. when they say well i want to get into dragon gate but there's 25 years of (laughs) you know history and all these you know there's been 30 different stables that i need to understand and know the history of before i can enjoy it that's not you know that's not the case yeah it's a bit like trying to watch gray's anatomy from the start you know that's that's quite an intimidating watch and i suppose you could apply the same thing to dragon gate although that's not a comparison i expected to make at the start (laughs) of this conversation I was just saying, I always think that's the beauty of wrestling. Uh, the fact that it's just a constant ongoing story, you know, in a promotion, you're never going to go back and start from day one of a, of a wrestling promotion. You just have to dive in with both feet and figure it out as you go. I think, you know, there's enough kind of context that you get it. And if something sparks your interest, especially now with, uh, you know, streaming services, you can go back and if there's something that particularly catches you, you usually can go back and watch it. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's what I was trying to get at earlier when I was saying that the level of investment you're willing to put Mm in is going to be, you know, you'll be rewarded at every single level, you know, if you're someone that does come in and falls in love with Dragon Gate, you can go onto the network and go back to day one. I mean, we're not, you know, like I said, 1999 is the first show and everything started there. It's not like, you know, you know, Pro Wrestling Noah started in the year 2000, but to understand, you need to understand, you know, the Misawa Kobashi, mm. the All Japan yeah. lore, or if you want to really get the full picture of New Japan, you got to watch back to 1972 <laughs> or whatever it is, you know, I mean, Dragon Gate has got, we've got a 22 year history. There's a lot there, but it's, you know, it's, it's doable, you know, it's, yeah. it's doable. <laughs> and, and the other thing is most of the guys are still around, yeah. you know, you can watch the, you know, the first match on the first show and then come back and watch a show today. And those guys are going to be in a match somewhere, maybe against each other. Mm-hmm. So from our brief exposure, uh, Liam and I had back in the noughties, we, I think we kind of 
caught those amazing six-man tags that ROH were, were putting on with uh, Dragon Gate talent. Um, you know, so that, you know, we recall like Shima and Naruki Doi, Shingo, you know, some of the main figures. It's sort of who who would you say are the, the names to look out for now? Okay, uh, now is a in- very interesting time to get into Dragon Gate because we're in the middle of a kind of a, a generation shift. Mm. Guy- guys like, uh, you know, Naruki Doi, Yamato, BB Hulk, those guys are still around. Uh, Yamato is still currently our Open the Dream Gate champion, so he's the one holding the ch- he's the one holding it. Um, but we recently had you know, Masato Yoshino retired. Mm-hmm. You know, Yoshino is a arguably maybe the most, most well-known name coming sure. out of Dragon Gate. But since 2016, we've had 15 new wrestlers that have mm-hmm. debuted over that time, and a lot of them are now taking over the main event sites. So we've had uh, Shun Skywalker. Yes, it's a name I hear a lot. Indeed, same. Uh, our dream, who was uh, Dreamgate champion up until this past July, past July, he held the championship for eight months. He's twenty five. You know, he's twenty five you know, years old. You know, sky's still the limit mm. for him. No pun, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> we've also got a kid named SB Kento. He's twenty two years old. He's only been wrestling. Not even two years yet. Um, he is fast becoming one of our biggest stars. He's currently our Open the Brave Gate championship. He's one of those guys that you look at him and you, they're, you know, maybe people that watch other companies, maybe people that are New Japan fans that are used to the Young Lion system or, you know, these other groups that, mm-hmm. you know, guys come along slowly. I mean, this kid came in and within a year he was holding championships. You know, he's a huge draw. That's the other That's thing. Really cool. like, it's it's very difficult in Japanese wrestling to call people individual draws, particularly Dragon Gate, where Dragon Gate has always kind of very much been a the brand is the draw. But like his debut match, 400 people came to see him. Oh, wow. Nice. Okay. 400 out of 800 people were, you know, guys that bought tickets directly for him. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Gosh. So he's, you know, he's a, heel, he's a heel right now. So I can't really, I really shouldn't be saying these types of things about him. <laughs> but, you know, he's going to be, like very much a guy that carries that region for mm. us. You know, he's a huge star for that. He just had a match. Unfortunately, it's not available on the network anymore, but it's going to be coming back. He had a match with his his peer, essentially. They were they were part of the same class. His name is uh, Jackie Funky Kame. And uh, they're both, you know, 22 years old. They joined the company on the same day, went through the dojo, debuted against each other on the same day. And now they just main evented one of our shows in Kobe for the Open the Brave Gate Championship. Oh, wow. It's, you know, that, and it's not the first, it's not the last time they're going to main event against each other for a championship somewhere. And, you know, it's a match that's getting a lot of, uh, it got a lot of positive buzz, both, you know, backstage with the company, Mm. Japanese fans and, you know, fans on Western Twitter have all been very high on that match. So, you know, these, these, again, 22 years old. So, you know, those two. Um, and also the last time I want to mention, there's a kid named Kota Minoura. He's also, geez, Kota's still only 22 as well. But he's, um, if he can, he's got some promo issues right now. But if he can figure that out, he's probably going to be the top star mm. for us going going forward. He just uh, challenged for the Open the Dream Gate Championship for the first time. Uh, back in September and it, you know and again 22 years old you wouldn't think this kid was only 22 based on the mm. based on the match he had um oh. like honestly honestly I could talk for 45 minutes and just name everybody that we, <laughs> we, we've got you know like well, uh, a good sign 
super strong, you know, super strong. Remember super strong machine? Yes. And yeah. his son is oh, wow. uh, wrestles your strong, strong machine. Jay carry, he uh, inherited the gimmick. He, you know, wears the mask. So him, you know, second generation, that's something that's so important in in japan because when you you bring your parents you know your sponsors and your fans they all come with you and that's so important to helping bring the company to maybe older fans or people that don't know um we've also got a pair of brothers they're the ihashi brothers they're the sons of koji ishinriki and uh utaku hoizubi so they're they're thoroughbred wrestlers their mother and their father were both pro wrestlers so that's you know First time ever in Japan. I know it. You know, in the U.S. and in Mexico, that's probably com- maybe Mexico. Certainly, it's commonplace. But here in Japan, it's the first. T- it's, mm. That's the first time. So that you know, they've kind of inherited aspects of the, both their father and their mother in their you know in their characters since they they've been wrestling now for two, not even not even six weeks, something like that. So they're still both very very new, but you know, they've been. Te- They've been tagging with each other, you know, against veterans, doing the get the shit kicked out of us by the veterans, make our comeback, and then eventually tap out. But you know, all of those matches have been outstanding. And yeah, yesterday we had um, one of the wrestlers got injured on oh, Saturday, nice. and they needed to fill the spot. They went to one of the trainees and said, "Okay, you're debuting today." Oh wow! And he's uh, he's 156 centimeters. So not very tall. Yeah, I, but you know he was he wanted to be a pro wrestler. You know he was he would go to there's a uh, he's from kind of local in the area here. Mm. He's from Yamanashi, but he would come to Tokyo to tra- to train at the Heat Up Dojo. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, he would go into like he would win their they would have these grappling tournaments mm-hmm. and he would go in there at 156 centimeters 60 kilos and yeah. win like these grappling tournaments because he's got this napoleon complex you know i'm tiny so i have to give a hundred percent every single time mm-hmm. and it, that's carried over to pro wrestling and yeah. he went and they told him at noon yesterday okay you're you're debuting in the opening match 1 p.m he didn't have you know no wrestling gear you know he's got like his trainee gear yeah. he went out re- wrestled two matches yesterday wow. and was a standout in both matches oh wow how good is that a man with I, something to I, prove it sounds like yeah i mean that's the thing at, at that size you know dragon gate is a company that has the reputation of it doesn't matter how tall you are mm. you know, we've got you know dragon kid is a hundred and you know if with the horns on his mask included 100 and, you know, 160 centimeters yeah. but he's been a star and a legend for 20 25 years now and you know almost entirely because of him these guys that have come in at at that size have they don't want to go anywhere else they want to come to dragon gate because mm. dragon gate is the company where they know where it doesn't matter how tall i am how small how short i am if i give 100% I can make it here yeah that's really interesting I mean is there a sense because there's junior heavyweight wrestling in some of the other promotions but is there a sense that there's still a, a size restriction mm, it's I can't say no to this question because if you look at you know for example Shun Skywalker is who's the first name I mentioned he's also the tallest guy on the roster so mm. you know obviously that's gonna that's gonna mean something but at the same time you know for the most part, most of our wrestlers are, you know, within a few inches of each other. Yeah. They're just too, they're just too small to go anywhere else. Mm. You know, new Japan still has the 180 
centimeter centimeter limit on their application. So if you want to try out if you want to try out for New Japan, you know you must be this tall to ride, and that's going to cut out our entire roster. Mm, like mm, Dragon Gate, for for the most part, I mean I'd have I'd have to look, but I would say all but a very small handful wouldn't even be able to take that yeah. test. You know, it does feel like you have to, you know, yes, you might be a, a star in inverted commas as a junior heavyweight in New Japan, but to be a real star, you have to move up to the heavyweight division. Yeah, and that that in and of itself, and why be a junior? You know, why yeah. go there and be a junior? And I, I understand, you know, the best of the super junior is still prestige content. Mm. And, you know, it is still the highest stage. So by, I don't want to no, of course act not. like I'm, you know, saying why would you go to new japan yeah but at the same time if you're someone that is destined to be a junior forever and you're it's time for you to go in and okay where do i want to wrestle okay am i going to go here mm. where i'm going to be a junior forever and that means i'm going to be stuck at this level or do i go to dragon gate where guys my height have been champions and they're main eventers yeah I mean, you, and that's why we've had 15 guys debut <laughs> since 2016 that's really interesting. And so it's something I wanted to pick up. Um, this is riffing a little bit, I'm afraid, but you you mentioned earlier about having uh, the importance of appealing to different generations. I know with US wrestling, you often get the sense that, you know, the more sort of fast-paced stuff doesn't necessarily appeal to a certain demographic of fan or a fan of a, a particular vintage. Um, is there a sense of that in Japan where generations will gravitate to one style more than the other or is it less like that over there um and that that's where it goes back to everything is a niche in japan in the sense that you know the the older guy you know the older people that grew up on let's say the 90s all japan style those are the fans that are still watching noah or all japan Mm -hmm. because that's the only style they know that's the only style that they're going to be into whereas the younger fans that are coming up you know, this generation are the ones that have come up on Dragon Gate style, or if they were Noah fans, they were the ones that were Kentamara Fuji fans. Mm. Or if they've watched New Japan in the last 10 years, you know, it's been the Omega Okada style that has, you know, very much comes out of the, you know, the Dragon Gate and the speed style. Mm. So, but yes, there is absolutely still that, you know, you fans that stick with their niche you know whether it be deathmatch or whether it be all japan heavyweight style or you know the people that go to the sayama tiger mask shows you know like he's got or you know keiji mudo and the old master shows you know the master mm-hmm. shows were some of the highest drawing shows in in japan when that when that was running because there are people that just want to see choshu and fujinami and that mm-hmm. you know that what they grew up on yeah yeah, like nostalgia wrestling. Yes, yes. That makes perfect sense. Okay, so let's um let's shift gears slightly and, and talk about you more specifically. So how, how did you actually get involved with Dragon Gate? Uh, okay. Um well it goes back a long time, actually. I um so originally uh I've been into Torimon, you know, Dragon Gate Torimon before that, essentially since day one. Mm. Um, I was an ultimate dragon fan. In WCW, when I found out he had, you know, they brought, you know, Tokyo Magnum, you know, Magnum Tokyo and Shima and all those guys would come to, you know, came to Monday Nitro. So from that, you know, the seed was kind of put in my head that, okay, well, these are Ultimo Dragons trainees. They're going to be wrestling somewhere. Mm-hmm. At the same time, uh, Sasuke came to ECW 
And from that, um, I had a coworker who was, who was also a wrestling fan and they were getting into tape trading. So I got some Michinoku Pro stuff from them. And that was around the same time that the first uh, Tori models when Dragon Gym graduates were also going, they had debuted in Japan for Michinoku Pro ahead of the first Torimon show. So I've been a fan since that point, but that time period was very difficult it was very difficult to be a fan because no one was covering indie Japanese wrestling at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look in the, you know, you read say old wrestling observers from that time period, you know, you get results, but you're not getting, you know, in-depth, you know, coverage of it. If, if anything, and you, sure. you know, on the internet itself, you know, there were some personal homepages here and there, guys, you know, like Zach Arnold and, and, you know, all these guys that were covering Japanese pro wrestling, but not going in de- into detail and Torimon, for the first year, that was okay because it was essentially a um, performance-based group in the sense that everything was self-contained. You were just going to watch the matches. But from the second year on, it it became more of a you know the sport the dragons sports entertainment influence, and it became a much more story-driven promotion. And so I would get you know I'd get tapes every two months, and it would come in, and I'd get my new block of Torimon, and I'd watch it and suddenly this guy was teaming with this guy and they're cutting all these promos and I don't know what's going on. And of course I would bitch to my friends and I would say, I don't understand what's going on. I wish somebody would cover Torimon better than this. And they got tired of me complaining and they said, why don't you do it? Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, challenge. I I accepted (laughs) the challenge and I opened, I ended up running a website for gosh, almost two decades. Uh, a fan a fan website that you know gave daily results translations of the promos and things like that and you know the site was terrible and it was you know it got better as my japanese got better mm-hmm. and but you know in the early days you know before social media and things like that it was very difficult you know to get results and get transcripts mm-hmm. and things like that um but i did that and then you know around the time of the roh you know the first roh tours and all of that um it, it's funny. I'm from uh, Buffalo, New York, and the first time uh, Dragon Gate guys came to the U.S. was for ROH in my hometown, in a building that I used to work at. So it was like this kind <laughs> of destined, weird, destined thing. But uh, on the way out, I saw two two Japanese guys in suits, and I thought those guys look important, so I should go over and introduce <laughs> myself. And I went over. I just went over, shook my hand, and said thank you for coming, and you know went about my day. But they were, it turns out, one of them was the future boss of Dragon Gate USA, and the other guy was the future current president of Dragon Gate Japan. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. So that's where the seed started. Um, in So then fast forward, 2008, they, uh, Dragon Gate promoted a show on their own in LA, and I just, you know, I emailed, I'd been, you know, I'd seen them at ROH shows and kind of exchanged contact information. Mm. I sent them an email and said, look, you know, I've got this website. Any... English speaking Dragon Gate fan is probably going to look at this at some point, you know, between now and that show. So if there's any sort of help with promotion or if you need help with translation or anything, I took, I did that. And then, so I helped with that. And then Dragon Gate USA started and they're just like, you know, please come to, you know, come, you got to come to Japan. You got to see us in Japan. And, you know, so I came to Japan <laughs> um, uh, first as first to visit. Um, but, you know, I would go, I'd go to the Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival, which is the biggest show. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would come every summer. I came for, you know, four years in a row. I would come, came to Japan. I would go to that and, you know, meet with everybody. There was like the fan meet and greet party. So I would go and, you know, talk to everybody, kind of get my face known on that. And at that point for 
not exclusively pro wrestling reasons, but for other reasons, I decided to move here. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, Dragon Gate being here and being able to regularly be, you know, go to shows and all that was a big pro in the the pro column. Mm-hmm. So my decision, my, my, yeah, my decision to move here. But um, so in the end, I showed up one day and I came to Cork and Hall and said, hey, I live here now. And they were like, ah, <laughs> and uh, so I'm chatting with them one day and I said, do you guys, why don't we do English social media? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, there's no, you guys don't have an English Facebook or Twitter presence. So I, you know, I live here now. I can easily communicate with you guys and see you guys. Why don't we do this? And they said, as long as we don't have to do anything. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. And yeah. So I, I did that kind of as a, like a mutual, mutually beneficial agreement, I guess it's say that I, I did that for them. And in exchange, I could, you know, tickets, merchandise, whatever I wanted, I got in Amazing. exchange for that you know it's like you know every, I, every wrestling fan's dream essentially yeah you know like it wasn't really you know like i work i mean you know i work as an engineer here like money's like salary isn't something i'm concerned no. about from that perspective so like yes i want to be compensated in some way but like i'm not gonna like you know hold the company up over pay or yeah you're not like gonna shake, shake them down for cash yeah so then in 2019 well, actually, the year before that, 2018, uh, Dragon Gate split away from the old Dragon Gate, the old ownership, which was uh, Shima and those guys. Uh, the Dragon Gate split away from the split away from them, uh, and new management took over. The old the old Dragon Gate at that point was not interested in expanding mm-hmm. outside of Japan. They were most they were a little bit into Shanghai, but otherwise they weren't really concerned with international or English speaking fans at that point. They wanted to keep you know, Japan is strong. This is our core. Let's keep this strong. Yeah. But the new management was a little more interested in expanding out, out to that. So I came to one of the meet and greets one day and they introduced me to, the, the, this is when the year the Dragon Gate Network started and they introduced mm-hmm. me to the two main producers and they said, we were joking around and uh, they said, do you want to do English commentary? And I said, no, because I, <laughs> I didn't. Um, I, I said, but... If you can't find anybody, maybe, but no. So they found, uh, they ended up going with the following year, they went with uh, Lenny Leonard and Larry Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Lenny Leonard, who you probably know from, yes. yeah, you know, one world class elite, one of the, you know, one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. I'd, had, I've had some beers with him in uh, New Orleans. Great guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lovely guy. He was so welcoming. So welcoming. Lenny's Lenny's the best, really, personally and professionally. You know, Lenny's the best. So they brought them in, and um, they did a couple shows, and it, they did two big shows together. And then it was time for they wanted to do a Cork and Hall show. And for our bigger shows, it's okay because those are essentially just the matches. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really need that much Japanese ability to call those shows. But our Cork and Hall shows are very promo heavy, so they needed somebody to help translate they said so it ended up being can you go up and you know help translate with them so i went up and i sat with them and so there'd be a promo and i translated it in my head and i'd write it down and i'd hand the notebook to lenny and lenny would then put it into his own words and read it and it was a really annoying experience <laughs> but um 
then uh, the we got to the end of the year and there was another Cork and Hall. There was a big show followed by a Cork and Hall show again. And uh, Lenny had to go home. Like he came to do the big show, but um, he couldn't stay for, for those extra days. Um, it, was, you know, it, was, it was around the holidays. And so they asked me, they said, look, you know, Larry can stay. Do you want to go up and try, try announcing the show with him? Mm. And uh, <laughs> I said, okay. So we went, we did it. And it was kind of a disaster. I don't say it was a disaster, but it didn't, you know, neither, you know, he's a color guy. And I was nothing, no experience whatsoever, aside from, you know, calling shows in my head while playing video games. You know, that was essentially the extent <laughs> of my calling wrestling, literally. And so I didn't know how to do play by play. So we kind of talked over each other a bit and it was kind of a mess, but it went well enough to that. You know, they said, we want to do Cork and Hall every month. Do you want to do it? And, you know, Larry at that point agreed to, he quit his job and agreed to come over and, you know, essentially move here and, mm -hmm. you know, be the color guy. And we would, it would be the two of us doing Cork and Hall shows. And then for the bigger shows, Lenny would come in and we'd kind of have the three man, you know, we'd have the classic nice. WCW style, you know, Lenny is Shivani, Larry is Larry is Heenan and me is Tanae kind of, yeah. you know, covering, <laughs> covering all the, you know, perfect announce team. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, so on paper, it sounded like a great idea. But then there was this uh, this like cold flu thing went around and kind of shut the world down for a few years. <laughs> and um, Larry had to go home. Um, and Lenny, Japan still isn't open, mm -hmm. you know, now two, two years later. And, you know, for a while, the, you know, the uh, industry shut down here for a few months. But it re when it restarted last summer, you know, I hadn't heard from anybody in Dragon mm. Gate that entire, because there was nothing going on. So from a social media, you know, we did some, there was some empty arena stuff, but it was essentially, you know, our social, the extent of the social media was, you know, okay, we've got an empty arena show on the network coming up this week, but, you know, there was no storylines going on. You know, I wasn't taking ticket reservations or anything. So I had no reason to be in touch with anybody from the company. So just, you know, when touring resumed, I sent them a message and said, Hey, so what do you guys want to do for English for the rest of the year? And they said, well, it would be hard by yourself, wouldn't it? And I said, not impossible. Famous last words. <laughs> and, uh, so they went, you know, they went and they talked to the TV people and they said, okay, why don't you come in? We'll try, we'll try having you do this by yourself, but we, but we won't do it live. We will have you, we'll record it. So that way, if it's really bad, we can burn the tape. <laughs> and again, I mean, like at this point, I'm four shows deep into being an announcer. Yep. You know, my, my thought was, you know, okay, I, I would power through the shows in the first half of the year. And then I would get to sit with Lenny and learn from him for the big shows. And in, you know, and in for the, the shows where it was me and Larry, you know, Larry's Larry Dallas is a lot of things, but one thing he is good at is if I give him an opening for him to talk, he's mm -hmm. going to talk until I cut him off. <laughs> so if there's any, if there was any point where like, I didn't know what to do or what to say, I would just feed him and let him go until I got my, got my composure back. And that was, my perfect plan to become, you know, to become a serviceable announcer. And I ended up having to call a couple shows by myself. Mm -hmm. And eventually, you know, they gave me ho-ho. They said, okay, you know, he was, he stayed in Japan during the pandemic and, you know, he speaks English. And they said, well, what do you think about using him? And I said, okay, let's try it. And the first, like, I'd only um, kind of did, for, you know, basic introductions with him. Like I knew, you know, he's from Hong Kong. So obviously he's, 
fluent in English, but I don't know how fluent. Because there's, you know, there's a difference between being fluent in English and being good enough at it to, you know, announce a, a three-hour wrestling yes. show. You know, I think back, you know, the, the thing that immediately popped in my head, I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a Wrestle Kingdom where Yoshitatsu Yes, I was, I was thinking that just as you said it. Yeah, absolutely. Where, it, you know, Yoshitatsu is fluent in English, but it was a fucking disaster having him out there. And so we did a test show with Hoho and it worked out and they said, okay, the next show is, it's Dangerous Gate. It's one of the five big shows of the year. You guys are going live. And somehow uh, chemistry worked out and that show was well received and, you know, people have been uh, very positive towards the English announce table since then. That's lovely to hear. Talk That's about so trial cool. by fire. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but like, you know, you know, literally, I think Jim Cornette always shits on this. The, the God, the announcer's a fan. They pulled out of the stands. That's literally what I am. <laughs> they okay. came down and grabbed me out of the stands before that show I went up to translate for. It's every I fan's mean, dream in many ways. Yeah. But I think, you know, it that, that sort of criticism is, is is pretty empty given that there's likely not a more well-suited English-speaking fan on the planet to, to do the job because, you know, you're that's, about as invested as it could be. That's the one thing I carry with me <laughs> into all the shows. Like, I know, like, I don't have the best speaking voice and I have, perform- you know, I have an- social anxiety and all of this. Mm. And sometimes I don't know the right thing to say, but I do know that there's nobody else that is going to know that knows this product more than I do. And I just have to leverage that. If I fall into something where I don't know what to say, then I just have to find whatever little bit of history Mm. there's going on in this match and turn it into some sort of exposition for the match. Just really all I can do. Just listening to you sort of talk, talk here, you know, you can tell how much you, you love the promotion, how much passion you have for it. Um, You know, how, like we were saying at the start of the episode, how you know there's that sort of passion that runs through the fans through the through the wrestlers through everybody that's involved with the company and that extends all the way to you and i really think it comes across yeah i i i'm happy to hear that thank you um you know again that's if if i've if it's i've got one thing it's that and the other thing is dragon gate is known as a promotion of handsome men and i like to say our english commentary table (laughs) is also handsome (laughs) perfect good man no I, i i love that and it's a real sort of uh, as a story, it's quite inspiring, really, mm. and you know, just the uh, the the power of saying yes and being open to opportunity, yeah. and you know, kind of fake it till you make it in many ways. That's um, yeah, it's 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 very inspiring indeed. Yeah, hopefully we get, hopefully I get to the make it stage at some point. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing my best. <laughs> like I mentioned before, you know, we were the second group to add English commentary, mm. but since that since then you know, with Mark and Stuart taking over for the cyber fight groups and, you know, I know stardom has started doing English and all the other promotions, like the, the, the level jumped, you know, since we started doing English in yeah. Dragon Gate and we have to keep up with them. You know, that's all we can do. You know, New Japan's got, Ke- you know, Kevin is, you know, world-class and now Noah's got world-class English announcing. So we have to do our best to keep up with that. It just seems like such a no-brainer having it at this point. Like the cost of two people who you know who can do English commentary versus the potential market of English-speaking fans that might sort of uh, subscribe to your product. Uh, you know, opens up a whole new world of fans potentially. Yeah, and I think the thing that's going to be interesting as we come out of the pandemic 
and this is something again that I have to attribute to Mark and Stuart in that um, the companies have also found that they don't need to look abroad to mm. find to find English speakers, and that's yeah. something that eliminates a big cost out of it. Absolutely, you know, you don't need to fly over. You, fly people you know mark and Stuart are based here i'm based here and you know my guest is usually going to be it's going to be ho-ho and if he yeah. leaves it'll it'll be whatever other foreign wrestler is you know is here mm-hmm. you know and that's much more cost effective than, yeah absolutely yeah in terms of that you're you clearly have a, a very good grasp of japanese at this stage i mean how has that process been in terms of learning the language how long did that take you um well it's kind of interesting because I learned it in a really bad way um, because a lot of my original introduction into Japanese was through trying to decipher what was going on in Torimon and Dragon Gate through you know, <laughs> web pages and also through playing, you know, trying to play video games and yeah. playing online games. Um, like uh, I'm going to date myself here, but like when Final Fantasy XI came out mm-hmm. originally, it wasn't, it wasn't available outside of Japan for the first 18 months. So I was playing on Japanese servers with Japanese people who were, weren't so pleased with having foreigners <laughs> playing with them a lot of times. So, for, you know, like I had to learn how to, like that was, that was very much the fake it to, till you make it in that, like I've got to <laughs> cover and, you know, not be conspicuous mm. on that. Um, but, you know, as my connections grew and, you know, I made more friends it got better, but you know, living in Buffalo, New York, you're not going to have opportunities to have real conversations with people. <laughs> um, you know, so like my reading and my understanding was was very good, but uh, my speaking was mm. was atrocious. Mm. But when I first came to when I first came to Japan, I came with no plan. Like I had I had a job that was uh, it was remote it was remote engineer work, so I could do it anywhere. So I could just keep that job and come to Japan and just work same job here, you know, but that didn't get me a visa for here. So I had to find a way to stay here. Mm-hmm. So I joined, I went to a Japanese school um, ah. to, get, to get, to get the student visa for the first year. And it yeah. was, it was awful because I'm, I'm 43 now and I was 36 when I came to Japan. Mm-hmm. So I was in class with like these kids fresh out of high school that, you know, came to Japan, but it was mostly high level Asian kids that, you know, had experience with Asian languages. You know, we had a lot, mm. quite a few Chinese kids that, you know, mast had, you know, kanji mastered from, you know, from birth. And I'm like, I'm this old white guy from the U S <laughs> who's just, you know, not, Legit, like I'm not legitimately interested in learning the language. Like, yes, I want to get better at it, but I'm mostly here for the visa. So that mm. was like a rough, that was a rough year. Like I had to keep up my grades there and I worked my day job and I had to hustle and teach English on the side. <laughs> it was uh, really close to, really close to going home after mm. the first year. And I do still look back negatively on my experience at the Japanese language school, but I, I am at the same time, I'm glad I went because yeah. Now I'm able to, you know, live and you know live and work in yep. Japanese, as it were. It gave you that foot in the door, didn't it? Yeah, and you know the first thing you first thing you learn in Japanese language school, Omega three so this. It looks like it's gonna rain, and that's something you say. <laughs> all, and that I that's probably still the thing I say the most out of out of anything. So, <laughs> so day one, 
Japanese language school is useful. That would also work really well if you came to the UK to learn English as well. Like that's the perfect first <laughs> sentence in England. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Okay, that's wonderful. Um, well, let's let's ask a couple of sillier questions, and if we may, about your about yourself and your experience in Japan. So, okay. this is a couple of things that we tend to ask guests. So, just right off the top. Favorite pizza topping? Ah, favorite pizza. Okay, well, I'm half Italian American, so I'm very mm. much a standard New York style cheese and pepperoni. Ah, very good. Classic. Very good. Yeah, good stuff. If you're heading to the the old Seven Eleven over in Japan, what are your uh, your go to snacks? Oh God. Um. Okay, this is something I get made made fun of for a lot, <laughs> actually. But I'm a simple white rice and salt onigiri guy. The shio musubi, which it's like the most basic. There's nothing else in it. It's white rice and salt. <laughs> like there's no, there's no nori or there's no seaweed around it. No. There's no fish inside of it. There's no, you know, umeboshi. There's nothing, just straight. <laughs> so and whenever I buy it, everyone's like, "Is that enough?" And I'm just like, "Yep, it's you know the the deep flavor, you know the rich flavor of salt. That's all I want." Yum, yum, so yum. <laughs> That is that is my Seven Eleven go to. I love that. <laughs> and so, outside of what you're doing with Dragon Gate, what are your hobbies? What do you tend to get up to in Japan? Uh, uh, skateboarding, actually. Ah, that, man, cool. that is actually the main thing that brought me to Japan. Um, uh, no way. So I've been like, essentially, when I was a kid, I was a shut in. I was a pro wrestler. I got into pro wrestling. Essentially, my aunt got you know got a new boyfriend and he was this is like between wrestlemania one and two so i'm really mm-hmm. dating myself with this but he his one of his hobbies was vhs piracy so he would go <laughs> to like he would go to the video store and get all the coliseum home video and like he had no he would he would just go and rent every vhs and bootleg it regardless of whether he had interest in it or not so you know, when we, when she, she would babysit me and take, we would go to his house and, you know, when they would want to have private time, they would sit me down on the couch and put something on. So they would put wrestling on. Mm -hmm. That's how I got into wrestling. So in elementary school, I watched wrestling and then I got TBS in my room one day and I went from WWF to Jim Crockett and NWA, but I got older and I got into skateboarding and I fell out of wrestling entirely. And skateboarding from geez, 1989 until now has you know essentially been a primary hobby. But Buffalo winters, you know, when you can't skate, you got to stay home. There's something to do. So that's how I got back into wrestling. So the first time I came to Japan, I uh, it was only for five days. I didn't have time to do anything else. Like I came, I landed, I went around Tokyo. Say, oh, okay, hey, that's Shinjuku. Hey, that's Akihabara. Got on the train, went to Kobe, watched Dragon Gate, took the train back, flew home. <laughs> But the next time I came, brought my skateboard with me, mm-hmm. and that's where I started to meet people and go nice. out and see the culture and everything there. And it, so like I said, while Dragon Gate was a big plus towards moving here, it was the friends I made through skateboarding that were ended up being the main mm. uh, thing that brought me here. And that, like, if I move there, you know, that's the community I can be a part of. And that's that's what brought me here. And still, forty three, broken down. Uh, if I fall, I don't get back up <laughs> that, that quickly. And you know, I get to the, you know, I'm uh, pushing down, getting ready to getting ready to hit the rail. And I think, you know, you've 
you were doing this when you were 15, you can do it now. And then just as I get there, I think, well, you know, Tupac was still alive last time you did, last time you actually made one of these. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, you're right. And I, and I, and I have to bail. But, um, but that's still, still, that's still essentially my main, my main hobby. That's great that it gives you that sense of community there as well. It's become, it's weird here now because when I first came to Japan, we had, it was very small the skateboarding community but it was very the people that were into it were into it you know they were all about it it was you know like it was their their culture and at the same time there were these little kids that were like super good and we mm-hmm. always made like oh god the super kids are here again and, you know they were the ones that just grew up on the youtube videos and yeah. you know how to do the tricks and they were all super good and they could do everything first try and now you know a little little shithead yuto won a gold medal like i remember buying that kid a drink at the the combini back in Mm -hmm. 2011 or whatever now the little fucker's a gold medal winner but (laughs) you know now it's kind of become that uh it's a it's a sport activity here now Mm -hmm. so now everywhere you go it's like super crowded so it's it's a little different from from when i when i moved here but when it was a bit more underground but people don't quit here that's the other thing mm. when you get older here you know maybe in the u.s as you get older you kind of fall out of it but here in japan everyone just you just do you just do it less you still go to the park and stand around and but it's more of a social gathering than it is a i'm here to get better like it would be when you're younger very so cool. those are two very divergent hobbies pro yeah, wrestling absolutely. and skateboarding I think it's important to have like a plurality of uh, of hobbies, though. Mine is pro wrestling and baking. That's great, though. Yeah, it yeah. Ke- keeps everybody very happy. Yeah, I agree. If I go to live shows, I'll usually take, I'll usually bake something and fob it off on uh, other fans and wrestlers, which also wins me. And that uh, ingratiates you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's um, you know, we've got Dragon Gate has a lot of female fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a big social aspect to pro and this isn't just dragon gate this is pro wrestling in general in yeah. japan there's a huge social aspect to you know in outside of japan pro wrestling is more of a thing you watch on tv you know like if it, as, as your weekly habit you know you're watching yeah. raw every week or you're watching dynamite every week because you're in bigger countries where you know aew is only coming to your city once every you know what six months so you're experience of going to pro wrestling and seeing the pro wrestling people you know seeing your pro wrestling fans isn't that big that's why maybe i think the social media community is much bigger Mm. in pro wrestling on the western side because that's you know the social aspect of wrestling is done online because you're watching the tv show not going to the venue sure that's a good point yeah that's a really good point but you know in japan this is something that's really hurt during the pandemic because there's no socializing so mm-hmm. that's something that's going to turn people off from going to shows. You know, I know there's a lot of a lot of the girls that I would see that have been coming to shows since I've been here that I don't I don't see them anymore, and that's you know like going I ping them and you know, hey what's what's up you still alive didn't get COVID right and they're like nah but it's just it's not fun to go but you know a lot of the aspect of you know, you go you meet your friends you share snacks and that's where the segue was the sharing <laughs> the yeah. sharing snacks part of it. Um, and you know that's such an important another important part of the experience is being part of that community being part Absolutely. of the community and making friends so hopefully when this is all over that and that experience is back people come mm. back yeah, yeah fingers crossed it fingers kind of crossed. returns yeah well you, it's how have there been has there been stuff in the uk recently 
it's just starting to open up. So I, I literally last night went to my first live show since the, the initial lockdown. So in about two years, um, it's in it, it's gradually opening up. Mm. Um, but it's a slow, slow thing. And I think it'll, it'll take a long time for it to get anywhere near to where it was, if at all. Um, but it's, uh, I'm I'm an optimist and I'm certainly hopeful that, but it does feel like it's going to take a long time were the like the the people that were at the show like vocal and everything was it like you know when you're in the venue does it feel like you're back you know in that same experience from it before? did yeah it did it, it was it was in many ways sort of alarmingly similar because the cases are starting mm. to go up here again so i was mm. i was slightly I, I i caught myself enjoying it and then was a bit like oh hold on a second <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is this a good thing or not i can't are we at a super spreader event um I can't. yeah you know you watch all the stuff that's going on in the u.s like you know like the gcw shows and all that that are like all gas no breaks and it's like well well, you know is that what so is that what it's going to be like here when we open back up Mm. or or what i know japan is right now you know we're at double digit cases per day at this point you know tokyo was like 19 new cases or something Mm. yesterday so like we're doing phenomenally and vaccines are up but at the same time there's this kind of sense of impending dread about what's going to happen in December. That's so there's still yeah. like a lot of the models and the projections are like, okay, you know, enjoy it now because December is going to be a shit show again yeah. even with the vaccination rates. So I don't know. Time will tell, but we're all, you know, absolutely keeping our, our fingers crossed that that's not the case. Uh, yeah. yeah. 100%. So I suppose looking ahead to the Gator Destiny shows on uh, November 3rd. What are the key stories and matches that you think we as new fans should be particularly aware of? Okay. Um, actually, we just got the full card for that show a couple hours ago. I was, I figured it was going to come out this week and I was hoping we would get the full card before, nice. rec- before recording time. So I was hammering the refresh button pretty hard and sending, <laughs> sending messages to people and thinking, so is the card coming out today or what? Mm-hmm. So um, main event on this show is going to be Yamato versus BB Hulk for the Open the Dream Gate Championship. Um, BB Hulk may be a name you guys recognize mm. from, yeah, absolutely. From, the, from the before time. Um, he's, he's very, very different BB Hulk now. He's uh, part of RED, which is our Rudo, the Rudo stable here. Yep. And so the, the dancing, smiling, handsome BB Hulk that you maybe that you maybe the last one you remember is very different now. He's, he's more of a ground-based striking, a lot of kicks, um, red hair cover in his face, spits wine at people that sort of thing so what this is what this symbolizes so we the dreamgate championship essentially going back to when pac held it pac was uh open the dreamgate championship or open the dreamgate champion end of 2018 into 2019 and then he got beat by ben k who was another one of our younger generation mm. guys you know he was the fastest dreamgate champion champion in history one he, only you know two and a half years into his career became champion wow and then Ata, who you guys may know from recent pro wrestling Noah yep. stuff, mm. um, you know he came in. He, you know, Ben K lost the title to Nuruki Doi. Then Ata won the championship. Then Shin Skywalker won the championship. But the theme has been since 2018 has been that the new generation has been controlling and taking over the company. Is it's been younger guys mainly holding the Dreamgate championship, where you know Yamato, who has been longtime company ace, one of the generation leaders, he has been saying that look. 
you don't need to be a new person to bring in a new generation for, or you know, open, you know, start a new chapter for the company. So he went, trained, got back in shape, and you know, but in his, you know, the shape that he was back from his period where he was the top guy in the company, mm-hmm. and he took he took the title back, and he said, now, okay, it's time to reset everything. I'm taking this championship, and I'm going to be the one that carries Dragon Gate into the next generation. I'm only forty. I'm not ready to, you know, I'm not ready to step back mm. yet. So his first challenge was another guy was Kotominora from the young generation, but now he's got to face BB Hulk, who is one of his generation peers. So this is uh, turning back the clock a little bit. Um, you know, Yamato has said that you know he's back in peak, the, the, you know, the condition he was in last time he was Dreamgate champion. Nobody and nobody can beat him. While BB Hulk has beaten him in the past, so he. This is going to be uh, kind of a throwback type of match nice. to that. Yeah. Hulk, you know, Hulk is a guy that has he's been uh, dealing with injuries over the last few years. He's kind of taken a backseat, been mostly in tag wrestling, but he's back in. You know, he's back in good shape. He's feeling good. He's been on a winning streak. He pinned Yamato at our last Cork and Hall show, and uh, he didn't want a title. He didn't want a title match. He said, look, I beat, I beat you. I've got nothing left to prove. But Yamato, as you know, the champ, championship pride has said, look, I can't take this sitting down. I'm chall- So you don't, you're not going to challenge me. I'm challenging you. Awesome. Okay. So that's, that's great. And I suppose in many ways, it is kind of the ideal main event for us. Because yeah. I, I do remember Hulk and I do remember Yamato to an extent. So it, I've got like a slight, yeah, there's a hook already for me here Absolutely. just to see what they're like now. And yeah, that's very exciting. Two guys, you know, two guys that were destined to be top guys in the company since their debut. You know, mm. BB Hulk, his debut was produced almost like a pop idol, and that you know, you check all the, you know, you look at the checklist. Yeah, I think this is like a W. This is like a WWE thing, but like if you were going to build a wrestler from scratch, for <laughs> like they say, I think they say about Randy Orton, right? Yeah. If you were, if you were going to build a 2005 Dragon Gate wrestler from scratch, you'd want him to be devastatingly handsome, athletic, good body, he can dance, he can fly, you know, all of those things. BB Hulk checked all of those boxes. And, you know, he very much the, if you think of a Dragon Gate wrestler, BB mm-hmm. Hulk is going to be one of the first guys you think of. Whereas Yamato, he also came in with a lot of hype in 2006, but he came in as an you know, orthodox. He came from a mixed martial arts background. He's a guy that has always said, I'm not that concerned about being innovative. I'm just going to take what I can do and I'm going to do it well. So mm-hmm. it's that contrast of styles coming yeah. back around. A so real kind is- of clash of um, mindset, you know, like approach to wrestling. Exactly. That's and, very cool. Uh, two, you know, two veterans going at it one last time. You know, it's kind of very much the equivalent of, you know, let's say in, in the past, like something like like a Tanahashi versus Nakamura going mm. at it, bringing it, bringing it back again, coming you know, full, full circle. Yeah, even though you know Okada and Naito and these young guys are coming up, but you put these two guys in there, and you know, it's still going to be magic. It's still going to be gonna, magic. Yeah, that's absolutely. what we're going to have here. Excellent. So, that that is our main event mm-hmm. and okay so the other match that i think that is going to get a lot of attention are open the twin gate championship match the twin gate are our tag team titles mm-hmm. uh champions are susumu yokosuka and king shimizu who maybe you remember as big r shimizu maybe not um but they're going to be challenged by uh hao and keno from pro wrestling no uh, yes i was going to ask about this this is interesting Okay, so this 
does kind of require a bit of explanation um, as to how this is. I, there, you know, I know that you know Mochizuki and Eita are over there right now, but this is kind of a separate deal. So there is a a sponsor in Japan, the Lek Corporation. They are a like a maker of household goods, and the president is a longtime pro wrestling fan, going back to the Tiger Mask days. And he uh, recently inherited the company and he has become a big, big sponsor for pro wrestling in Japan, not just Dragon Gate. Uh, I think you've probably, I think Stardom has also had shows that have been promoted by Lek Corporation. Mm. Wrestle Kingdom, Wrestle Kingdom was promoted by Lek Corporation. I mean, he's, they've been a very, very helpful sponsor in keeping pro wrestling alive during the pandemic over here. And um, so, there is, he has been funding for various promotions, Dragon Gate in particular, a, a series of shows on Amazon Prime Video here in Japan that are considered separate universe. Like there's no continuity with, so if you tune in and watch one of those, what's going on there is a separate continuity from what happens in regular Dragon Gate. Okay. All, all Japan also has one. Um, if you've follow any of the all japan people on twitter there's been some screenshots or some photos floating around they did a, a taping and like uh jason lee from dragon gate wrestled zeus from all japan oh, cool. like there's a uh, keisuke okuda from dragon gate wrestled miyahara you know it's like all these weird crossover action figure matches you know like like they're literally fire pro matches like in the sense <laughs> that um but you know it's the it's because these are the matches that this the president of the Lek Corporation yeah. wants to see. Like he's he's he is literally funding. He's shelling out the cash. You know, people say AEW is a money mark action figure promotion. <laughs> like you need to watch these Amazon Prime shows mm. because this oh, is funny. I mean, this the stuff that goes on there makes absolutely no sense. And something, but one of the things that is going on there is uh, Ken O and Yamato have been going back and forth, and. Um, Somehow, because Lek Corporation is also sponsoring uh, the Gate of Destiny, there they have this match is happening. Um, they brought Keno and Hao to a show here to one of our shows, and they challenge for the championships, tag championships, and it's happening. Nice. <laughs> there's no like I want to give a deep backstory to this and say okay, you know, there's all <laughs> this, but there really, the, the the sponsor wanted this match to happen, so the match is happening. But yeah. it's something that no one. This is I mean it's. You know, Keno is one of the top stars over there. You know, Congo is like their top heel unit. Mm. They're coming in and they're facing our tag champions. Amazing. Like and another another really good like hook for Liam and I, because we've both gotten dead into uh Noah the last the last year and we we both adore Keno. So Not you know, another an, another great way to kind of, you know, between the main event and then this, we've okay. got like those couple of nice ways to bring us in gently. <laughs> You so I mean you know then you know what he's capable of so you know Keno could very well come in and they could take our tag championships and walk away I mean Ata came in and did that with the GHC Junior tag title so it's mm -hmm. you know this is Noah's chance to come back and you know get some shots, revenge on that shots have been fired over in, in Noah and now it's uh yeah time yeah. is there so, quite a fluid relationship between Noah and Dragon Gate. It's been, yeah, I mean, there's been a relationship for a while now. I mean, Mochizuki's been over there for a few years. We mm. had a, people don't remember it because it happened in an empty arena show, but we had a, there was a GHC heavyweight tag title match on a Dragon Gate show last year when, when oh. Mochizuki and Marafuji were champions. They defended um, 
at, a, at a, one of the empty arena Dragon Gate shows. It was supposed to happen at a Cork and Hall show, but it got canceled due to everything shutting down. Mm. So, but yeah, I mean, Mochi's, Mochi's been over there for a while and now, you know, Ata wants to stretch his legs a little bit. Mm. And, you know, the, the company stance is, you know, look, if guys want to work somewhere, as long as the companies are being responsible with their COVID protocols and, you know, every, both sides can come to an agreement, then there's no reason to stop guys from doing it. That's great. You love to see that sort of um, cross-pollination, that cooperation between uh, promotions. It's really exciting as fans to see that. Yeah, I mean, it makes it can make for some interesting matches like this. I mean, there's also going to be, I mean, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but on uh, this just got announced today. I don't know if you guys saw it, but on November 5th at the at Dragon Gate in Cork and Hall, it's going to be Eita and Nosawa are defending the GHC junior tag titles against Kota Minora and Jason Lee from, from Dragon Gate. Nice. Ah, very good. Those, those guys were former... Twin Gate champions in their own mm. right. So they're one of our top tag teams. Again, Minora is 22 years old. And Jason is another guy who you may remember from the Cruiserweight Classic, mm-hmm. but he has come in. And look, I've been watching Dragon Gate since day one. I've seen all the, I've seen Jack Evans, I've seen Pack, I've seen Ricochet, I've seen Uha Nation, I've seen all the foreigners come and go. And Jason has come in and fit in, like seamlessly fit in and become yeah. a part of the Dragon Gate roster like no other foreigner I've seen. That's really cool. High praise indeed, given those names you just mentioned. One, I mean, he's legitimately one of our. If Jason's in 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 a match, you, you can guarantee he's going to be he's going to stand out and make the match worth watching. So, awesome. so these guys, you know, again, it's a, we could take we could get Noah, we could get Nosawa out of the picture entirely and make these entirely Dragon Gate championships. Uh, could could even see the GHC national title defended potentially. Not too far That's down the road with Mochizuki challenging Segura for the for the title coming up soon as well. That's right. That's this weekend, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, Mochi, so, yeah, Mochizuki, 51 years old, still still out there. We, I kind of um, tweeted about this recently, just like, I love, you know, New Japan has got the the dads, but I think uh, old uh, Noah has got the sort of the badass uncles who can still go. <laughs> Yeah, and that's absolutely Mochizuki. You know, him and him and Sugiura go to the same tannin salon, and that's uh, <laughs> two, you know two 50, 50 year old guys that still kick kick the shit out of each other. Oh, absolutely! Sugiura is like absolutely one of my favorite guys to watch as well. He just is wild. Uh, I, my head cannon for this match is they just got into uh, they got into it over the last uh, tanning bed. Yeah, I mean, you could really, you could really put it there. You know, Sugiura said <laughs> that uh, it's you don't see guys this age that go at the level that that, that they no. do. So Sugiura has said that he's lo- really looking. He's always looked forward to fighting Mochizuki, so he's happy to have you know this opportunity to defend the championship. Mm, that's very cool. But that's not on my streaming service. No, sorry. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> We've uh, what else do we? Okay, so back to Gate of Destiny, and the other the other championship match we have is the Open the Triangle Gate Championship. That is our trios titles, mm-hmm. and trios matches are the lifeblood of Dragon Gate. Um, also, in you know the unit, you know the stable battlefield is you know that is that's what we do here. Yeah. So you know the trio, you know the group that has the you know the Triangle Gate Championship is the group that can. Cl- lay the claim to be the best stable the best unit in the company okay so right now uh red like i said before that is our our rudo unit our heel unit they currently have the championships it's uh eta 
uh, Kaito Ishida, who is another, he's 20, 26 years old. He's kind of a, he reminds me, the comparison I give uh, is Kanemoto. Kanemoto's period, like uh, best of the super junior period, where he's like, uh, okay. attitude, you know, he's a, he's a striker, but he does you know, also has suplexes and he's also just a terrible attitude. Miserable, miserable person. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, their, their partner is Hyo, who is the, uh, his nickname is the great brain of R.E.D. because he is his, the master of the art of war mm. because he because he's 160 centimeters and uh, using his brain is the, the best the best tactic for him. <laughs> and so they, they're going to be facing uh, a stable called High End. This is the, the stable that Yamato leads. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be Dra- Dragon Kid, who's a legend, Benke, mm-hmm. who uh, former Dreamgate champion. And they're going to be teaming with Kage Tora. Kage Tora is, um, can I say this? He is a long time, he's one of those unsung guys mm-hmm. who has been competing at a high level for so long that you take him for granted. Okay. Um, you know, he can do everything. You know, he's got uh, submission style. He's got flash pins that can beat you out of anywhere. If, if you want to throw bombs, he can drop you on your head. Like Kage is a guy, he's, you know, kind of a guy that is always going to be at a certain level on the card, but whatever level you put him at, he's going to perform yeah. at it. So the big issue here is there's some problems between Eita and Hyo right now. So last month, uh, R.E.D. had a five-on-five singles match series with uh, another stable called Masquerade, where they did five singles matches in a row. You know, R.E.D. took five got took five members. Uh, Masquerade took five members. They did random drawings and then had singles matches. Mm-hmm. And then you know, whichever side won more singles match won more matches was the overall winner yeah so hyo picked the teams for red and created the battle plan and red lost with Ata losing the fall in the fight in, in the the last match mm-hmm. so Ata is blaming hyo's tactics for the loss there was also uh there was a powder attack somewhere in there that didn't hit the right target and led to Ata getting pinned Classic. whereas hyo, whereas hyo is saying that Ata didn't execute the plan properly. Sure. So there are problems in RED and that may make it easy pickings for high end mm. going into this match. So let's see if RED can stay on the same page. And another thing, interesting thing to think about is, is Ata too preoccupied with what he's doing for the other stable he's a member of? And is he take as leader of RED, is he taking his eye off the ball? And when you're a leader of villains and you take your eye off the ball you may find a lot of knives in your yes. back sometimes no Ooh. no no honor amongst thieves no yes yes fascinating i like that yeah that's really mouth-watering actually you've it? done a really good job of uh, selling us on the show i think <laughs> <laughs> not that we needed much but you know those are going to be our main championship mm-hmm. matches we've also got some other eight man tags you're going to get to see some of our rookies uh you know both the, the ihashi brothers who are the you know the thoroughbreds who, you know both their parents both of their parents are pro wrestlers they're going to be teaming with ultimo dragon oh and, bad you know, their their dad is was in war and sws with ultimo dragon going yep. all the way back so this you know dragon coming back to dragon gate a couple of years ago is one of the keys in you know for you know their parents saying okay you can be pro wrestlers and be you know being you know being assured that they're mm-hmm. going to be in good hands coming to Dragon Gate and you know, Ultimate Dragon being back. So this is a big thing for them. And they're going to be facing, uh, it's going to be Mochizuki, Isushi Kanda, and then Hayakawa, who's the kid I said 
they told him he was debuting at noon for his yeah. match at one. So he's coming in and now he's got his first batch on a big show. So Sweet. will he have his ring gear ready in time or not? <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully it's not like a Shawn Michaels at uh, Elimination mm. Chamber Survivor Series. Uh... With, the, with, the, with the brown? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there's also going to be a, like a fun time battle royal where the winner wins a year supply of uh, toilet cleaner because huh. our the sponsor of the show creates household goods and uh world-class toilet cleaner as well like we had so we had a battle royal for this back at our big show in july and kind of as a rib i was out grocery shopping and i saw them on the shelf and i said okay you know, i'll buy them and take a picture and say slave to marketing and i bought them <laughs> and it turns out that they're actually an incredible product so uh ho ho my my broadcast partner yeah. is in this is in this battle royal so Amazing. i'm gonna have to call the show by myself until he gets eliminated and if he wins he might not come back and yeah. i may have to call the show by myself he'll, he'll be living high on the hog with that like, exactly yeah, of, uh, yeah like he don't, won't ever need to work ever again he's got his <laughs> his, his toilet will be- he'll be sitting on a on a throne of toilet cleaner or the yeah. clean or the cleanest throne in 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 japan yeah exactly i mean he'll you know back at the dojo won't have to nothing to worry about <laughs> Awesome. That is the Gate of Destiny. That is coming up uh, November 3rd. That is what? Next week, Wednesday. It's going to be 5.30 p.m. Japanese Standard Time. So that is what? 4 p.m. East or 4.30 Eastern, 1.30 Pacific. And then GMT is, I think, 8.30. Oh, nice. A, a doable time. I mean, it's a, it's a Wednesday show. So don't feel, you know, this is one of those things where I would say, we hope you watch live, but mm. um, you know, don't you don't have to stay up all night if that's going to make your watching experience miserable. It'll be there for you. We'll have English commentary. Um, if you've been listening to us for the last hour and a half and you're tired of listening to me, there will also be Japanese commentary. <laughs> but but I hope you'll you'll listen to the English commentary, mm. and then we will be back again on November fifth from Cork and Hall with that GHC Junior Title match. That is a what is it? That's an eight thirty. Yeah, 8.30 Japan time start. We'll also be in English for that. Um, if you're going to sign up for the Dragon Gate Network, it is uh, dragongate.live. I would recommend at this point waiting until uh, the month changes over because like mm-hmm. all the Japanese streaming services, uh, it charges on the first of the month. Yeah. So like if you subscribe today, you'll pay full price for the month of October and then get charged again on November 1st. And um, while, I would in- while we would like to have your money, <laughs> I, I do understand that that's not, a great uh, first impression. Ooh. So if you're going to be a first time subscriber, uh, come in for November. We're going to have Gate of Destiny. We'll be in Corican Hall. We've also got another big show from Sendai called The Gate of Origin at the end of the month. And so it'll be a great time to pick up and stick with us through the end of the year as we head into the, the end of the 2021 season. Nice. Well, there we go. I, I don't think you could have possibly set the table any better there, Jay. You're an absolute star. Um, so thank you very much for that. I don't know about you, Gareth, but I'm fully pumped up yeah, to watch some Dragon Absolutely. So, this is so exciting. Um, do you have any personal plugs? You know, so you've, we've plugged uh, plugged the show plenty and how to watch. But, uh, you know, if people want to find you and follow you on a personal capacity. Okay. Uh, actually, I'm gonna, let me just plug everything at once here. I'm going to do some official plugs first. Um, one other thing that I actually would like to recommend, um, if you go to YouTube, and so if you're still on the fence, and you don't really, you're not sure, you don't really, 
you're not positive on your the you know the the Dragon Gate experience and if it's for you, if you want to check out some free Dragon Gate, you can go go to YouTube and search for the Dragon Gate Network channel. If you just search for Dragon Gate Network in English, it'll be the channel that comes up. You can go there, and the first match from every live Dragon Gate Network show is available for free. So you can go back and check out if you want to check out the English commentary. Um, mm -hmm. We've got the you know the first match from all the English commentary shows is up there, so you can you can sample that. You can sample some of our six mans. We've got you know there's a huge variety and endless variety. If you go back actually and go back to the our September twentieth show, the opening match on that card was an open the Triangle Gate Championship match. So you can go and you can see an Red uh, the champion team that's coming into the Gate of Destiny against uh, Masquerade. Um, you know, Jason Lee, uh, Dragon Dia, La Estrella, who are two high flyers. Watch that match for free. You can see it. Watch Japanese English commentary. So that'll give you a pretty good sample of what uh, you're going to see on the Dragon Gate Network if you come in and subscribe. And then also you can follow uh, Dragon Gate. We have official English social media at Dragon Gate EN. That's all one word. Um, that's Twitter and Facebook. You can follow that for uh, lineups, results. Um, you know, basically anything for shows that are coming up, you know, the Dragon Gate Network live schedule, cards for house shows, cards for major shows, match announcements, all of that. Um, full disclosure, I do run that myself, but please don't consider that to be my account mm -hmm. because, you know, if I get, I get, you know, attacked by a wild boar or something, <laughs> there are, you know, contingency plans to continue that account. It, it's the Dragon Gate official account. So if you need to... Sure. So the segue to that, if you want to tweet at me directly, you can find what the what is my Twitter handle? It is <laughs> at dg underscore j. That is spelled J A E. And I don't really tweet about anything but Dragon Gate stuff because I have no personality. But um, <laughs> the what I would say, if you do want to follow me, one thing I do do is um, for the shows that there are no English, there, where there isn't English commentary and their storyline advancement, I do my best to try and do at least quick translations to let people know what happened. Amazing. On that. So you can follow there. So like we had some show, a doubleheader in Fukuoka yesterday, mm -hmm. which had, you know, had some promos. So I've got some translations for that. Uh, but, but again, it's kind of real time and it's not really a guarantee I'm going to do it or not. But, you know, it is there if you want to follow me. Thanks. And that is it. I think I don't do anything else. So. <laughs> I don't think you've got time to, no, by the sounds yeah. of it. No. Busy man. That's great stuff. All right, folks, you have got all the plugs. I've actually just gone and subscribed to the YouTube channel um, whilst we were talking there. Yeah, very easy to do, very easy to find. So head straight over to that. And the big show is on November 3rd, and we're going to be talking about it on this very podcast as well so do watch along yeah. and we'll have a good chat about it afterwards jay thanks so much again for being so generous of your time and for filling in filling us in on all of the dragon gate goodness i genuinely can't wait yeah. to watch this show feel confident going in now <laughs> my pleasure thank you so much for having me and we're back so that was the wonderful jay what a passionate interesting dude yeah, definitely. He really got me excited for the card. You could just tell how much he cares about the product. So that mm. was very cool indeed. But yeah, awesome stuff. Really enjoyed speaking to him. Hopefully, first of many conversations we can have. Yes, I think as well for us, I think Gate of Destiny sounds like it's going to tick all our boxes. It sounds like it's going to be a bit of a hole in one for us. You know, I'd be surprised if we don't come back uh, November 5th when 
you know, just after the show and we're, we're raving about it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really, really looking forward to it. All right, folks, we kept you for a while. So you've got all the information from Jay there in terms of where you need to go to watch the show and which social media channels you need to follow. Like I said, on the uh, during the interview, that YouTube channel is very easy to find. So if you're not already there, then do check it out. And I think for us, we better head off. So as always, you can find us on social media. It's at Wrestling Pod. That's wrestling without the E. You can send us an email at wrestlingpod at gmail.com. Again, wrestling without the E. And in the meantime, stay happy, stay safe, and enjoy the craps. <laughs>